0: And good morning. My name is Jesse Pruitt. You're listening to The Light of Hope. We are so blessed to be with you, and we appreciate you taking the time to listen. We're going to be continuing in John chapter 5. This will be part 2 of Christ the Healer of His Sheep. Christ the Healer of His Sheep, part 2. And the subtitle is The Moroseness of Self-Dependence. So we began last uh, episode in finishing up chapter four, and we went into uh, about nine verses into uh, chapter five. And we did uh, start a little bit on the healing of the, the lame man at the pool of Bethesda. Now, we're going to spend a little bit more time on that. And there are three things that I want you to notice as we uh, approach this subject. Again, in a 15 or 20-minute podcast, it's difficult to do the text justice, but we will do the best that we can. Um, I want you to recall again the, the situation at the pool of Bethesda. And let me just uh read a few verses real quickly so that we, we can keep our time short. Uh, verse two said there was a in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool which in the Hebrew tongue is called Bethesda and has five porticos or porches. And in these lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, and withered. Now verse four many are going to be contentious over verse four um, and I'm I'm going to deal with this briefly. Uh this is called by many of the old scholars a poetic gloss. Now that's not a that's not a put down on the scripture, but what that means is a, they considered it many consider it as a side note or um a footnote or a marginal note or, or an annotation to explain and possibly uh, some copyist put that in there to explain uh, verse 7. Now we mentioned last time that uh, verse 7 obviously says that there was something going on here. So verse 4 was put there for that reason. So uh, verse 5, a certain man was there who had been 38 years in his sickness. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, do you wish to get well? Or wilt thou be made whole? The King James says. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming down another steps down before me, and Jesus said to him, Arise, take up your pallet and walk. And immediately the man became well and took up his pallet and began to walk. Now let's deal with this uh, as concisely as we possibly can. And I, I just want to uh mention this so called poetic gloss. Um, don't get too hung up over that, um, because likely many are never going to agree completely on this. Uh, and and honestly, as far as our part of this uh, study, uh, this is, is going to take a a minor a minor part. So let's let's just deal. I think with the situation at hand. And I want you to notice something that I've been uh, calling a magical or mystical cure without any moral significance. <clears throat> and that was what was taking place, whether it was actual or whether it was um, supposed by the people. Either way, they were expecting something that would change their physical uh, lifestyle, their their body, their feelings, uh, their happiness, without any moral attachment to it without any moral significance to it. And I want us to see the um, the moroseness of that kind of self-dependence. Now, we're going to deal with that in just a moment. But this magical cure, and a lot of people are looking for that today. You're going to find churches that are built around. And I'm not here to put anybody down. I'm just simply just is the fellow said, I'm enlightening the terrain in which we find ourselves deployed. I'm I'm just I'm just saying this is this is what we see. And and people are magically drawn to something that is going to change their life and give them more I see stuff on social media all the time. Oh, if you'll just click on this and you'll if you'll just believe this is gonna happen to you and people are so much, you know, into all this kind of stuff. Uh We have a lot of motivational speakers these days, but life is not always that simple. And it wasn't that simple for this man, but yet he met the master and that made all the difference. So what we see here is just like today, people want something in in a magical sense, and and I use that term for lack of of a better one, they want a cure to the misery of their life without any moral or spiritual significance attached to it. They, they're they looking for something, and, and it's natural. And I'm not not—I'm not criticizing. I'm simply saying it's a natural thing for us to want to be healthy. It's a natural thing for us to want to be happy, and it's a natural thing for us to want to prosper. But what I'm saying here is Christ was dealing with a situation here where this man was, he had been 38 years. And more likely... Um, He had some mobility because he says here in verse 7, when the water stirred up, he said, before I can get to the edge of the water, somebody rushes in ahead of me. And uh, so likely he had some mobility. And as some have even said, it's it's even possible that he crawled there on a daily basis, you know, waiting on this cure, waiting on all that he had. And again, I'm not criticizing him, just simply saying, this is all the man had. He was waiting on something. He, he knew that his legs didn't work. He knew that he was in a bad way. He knew that this was his existence. And if something miraculous didn't happen, he was going to die in this condition. And unfortunately and sadly, that is the situation with many today, whether in physical or spiritual sense. OK, so he says to him when Jesus said to him and he saw him lying there, he knew his he knew everything, just like he knew the woman at the well. He knew everything about this man, and he asked him a strange question: "Wilt thou be made whole, or do you wish to get well?" Now, many would say, "Man, that's a strange thing to ask somebody who's laying there, a uh, uh, paralytic." You know, why would he say? Something like that, but you see, Christ could see inside his heart, and look at his response in verse seven. The sick man answered him. He said, "Sir, I have no man." And what what we notice here is that he was, as as some have said, he 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 tended to prefer hanging on to. Or clinging to his spiritual grievance, his nursing his wounds over, overtly displaying this to the world. You know, it's easy for us to get in a condition where we just accept that we're miserable, and maybe even have a little tendency to not really want to get out of that because we get used to it. And that's a, that's a natural human tendency. We just we get we get settled in our misery, we know deep down inside there's a change needs to happen, but we're not willing to do what it takes or take the responsibility for what's going to happen if we get well. And I believe that possibly could have been the man's situation. And he said to him, arise, take up your bed and walk. And the man immediately did that he became well, and he took up his bed and walked. but this moroseness of self dependence the what happens here is we we get so dependent on ourselves and we get to looking for you know some kind of miracle, but we prefer something maybe that's not going to have to require a change in our life um Maybe something that wouldn't make us have to show the, the responsibility of living, you know, the right way and doing what we're supposed to do. And uh, and he's, he just says, oh, I have no man. so he, he was he almost took on and I kind of hate to say this, but he almost took on a victim status. It's, you know, this is what life has done to me. This is what's happened to me. And my, I'm just miserable in my condition. But he was depending on what he could do. Now, all of this, you said, man, you're being rough on. Well, we're we're leading up to the good part here. So many times people just they want to cling to that misery, that mattress of misery. Instead of walking as redeemed men free and having that self-denying sense of serving Christ, you know, that, that takes a lot of internal courage is what i'm saying it takes a whole lot for people to reach down inside of themselves and go you know what if i give myself to the lord and this is where it gets real this is where the rubber meets the road right here and there are probably people listening to my voice right now and you know good and well that you're living in a miserable existence you somehow know maybe you were raised in church maybe your parents raised you as a in a christian home or perhaps the Lord has been dealing with you in some way and you know what you need to do. But the question is, am I willing to turn loose of this this thing that I'm calling my existence and just dragging it around like an old mattress of misery? Am I willing to turn it loose and let the master set me free? Because, and here's why. Here's why. There's the fear, because it would require me to deny myself and become a servant of Christ and take responsibility for my sins and acknowledge that I am the problem and that that my that self is my biggest enemy. And, and to, that self-denying thing, taking up your cross and walk, as as the Lord said, that that's that's a tough thing to do. That requires a whole lot of internal courage that I'm afraid a lot of people are not willing to grasp, and 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 deal with. So we have the magical cures without moral significance, and everybody's looking for that these days. We have the moroseness of this man's self-dependence, and he was in a hopeless state, sir. I have no man; I almost a victim. But the third thing that I want you to notice in this is the master's sensitivity to our needs. Um, Archbishop, long ago, Archbishop Watkins, back when, and you know, maybe I shouldn't say this, but back when archbishops actually had some spiritual things to say, <clears throat> I didn't say it out loud, did I? Uh, the man, he said the man had an incipient yet recipient faith. Now what that means is this, he had the, the potential, he had that he had that seed of faith, the incipient faith, and that's what that means. And I want you to know, God gives you that. Because no man comes to Christ except the Spirit draws him. And people will argue, oh, you don't have to ask Jesus into your heart. All you got to do is be a follower. Forget all of that stuff and just listen to this. No man comes unto the Father except the Spirit draws him, and they come through the Lord Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way the truth in life. So we have to come through Christ. And we can't come to God unless the Spirit draws us. So the Lord, in in that sense, gives us this incipient faith to trust him with. There's that seed, that, that hint of potential. So he had that, and then he had recipient faith in the sense that he was willing to accept the Word of God and act on it. Okay. So what needs to happen here and what he had to do and what you have to do right now in your situation, and you may be listening to me, man, you get madder and madder listening to the words that I'm saying because you know it's true. You know that there, God is wanting to use you. He's wanting to change you, but you don't want to change. You want to just hang on to that misery, and that, and we all have that. I, I, I feel you, as they say. I understand because I've been there, but I'm telling you, you must exercise faith. Okay, you must release your mattress of misery. You must release your mattress of misery and grasp the word of Christ. You must be willing to choose to get up in response to his command. That's the recipient faith. That man right there, this man in this text had to be willing to not only receive, Just to have that potential of faith, but he had to, he had to be willing to make that choice. And it's going to require some us to deny ourselves. The The life of the Christian is not some bowl of cherries that everybody seems to want to put it out there today. And everything's so lovely and boy, all your cares are going to be over and everything's going to be perfect. And you're going to come into a lot of money and all oh, you're going to do, you know, that that's the, that's the stuff that the world paints. I'm going to tell you something, the picture that Christ paints in the, in the scripture and in everything he preached he painted a life of self-denial that doesn't mean that it's not worth it, it doesn't mean that we're not blessed i promise you i'm blessed beyond my dreams i'm not a wealthy man but i'm i'm wealthy in more ways than the world can possibly give me i'm wealthy in 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 his blessings and in friends and family and things that money can't buy that's what i'm wealthy in and what i'm saying to you is this It's a a life of self-denial. It's a a life of self-sacrifice. It's a life where we deny what we want and choose to do what he wants us to do. And that is the difficult—man, that's where the rubber meets the road with a Christian today. If you want to be a Christian, you want to walk with the Lord, you know, it's not going to be— Mountain mountaintops all the time. And I wrote something recently, part of a paper that I wrote and I shared it on social media. You know, the, everybody wants to be on the mountaintop experience. You know, boy, we want to celebrate those mountaintop experiences. But you know, a mountain would be a mountain if it didn't have valleys around it. It'd just be flat land like it is out here in West Texas. If a mountain didn't have valleys surrounding it, it wouldn't be a mountain. And you know Psalms 23 says, "We though know, I walk through, He didn't say you camp out and put up a mailbox in the valley. No, that's where we grow. that's where we learn. And you know the Christian life is not all this bowl of cherries and whipped cream that everybody wants to make it to be. But I promise you, it's worth it. Why? Because first of all, my sins are forgiven. First of all, I belong to him, and I know where I'm going when I die. And it doesn't matter what the world does to me. It doesn't matter what the enemy does to me. When I, man, when this life's over, I know where I'm going. Now, like Dr. Farwell used to say, I'm not ready to get on the bus today. I got things to do, but <laughs> I'll go when he says go. I mean, when it's, when it's my time, it's my time. And I'm not worried about what's going to happen. I don't know what's on the other side exactly. I mean, I know what the scripture says, but I mean, I, I trust him because I know he's going to be there. And the thing today that I want you to get is, this man who was paralyzed in his body the principles that apply to him are the same principles that can apply to you in your life you might be working in the oil field or you might be somewhere else you know you might be just taking a break from some factory somewhere but your life is miserable because you know you need to let go of your mattress of misery and shoulder the responsibility of being A a God-fearing person who will walk with Christ, deny yourself, quit living in your pity party, quit living in the things that you want to do, and walk with him, obey him, be the servant he wants you to be, that takes a lot of courage. I promise you, my friend, that takes a lot. It's not an easy thing to do. And it's not a perfect thing. It's not always going to be something that we're going to be able to pull off perfectly. I promise you. But I want you to know the moroseness of self-dependence will get you nowhere but hanging out at the edge of a pool, waiting for somebody else to be slower than you to get, you're waiting on some kind of something that's never going to take place. And if that's the kind of religion that you have, my friend, you need to trade it in. For something real. You need to trade it in for a life with Christ. You need to trade it in for. Allowing him. To to make you new. If you've never trusted him. I, I urge you right now. To bow your head and just. You don't even have to speak the words out loud. You just give your heart and life to him. You become a follower. Whatever the Holy Spirit leads you to do. He will forgive your sin. He will heal you first of all, inside. He will heal heal you spiritually. Whether he heals you physically or not, it has to take a back seat to whether he heals you spiritually. Because that's the first thing that needs to happen. You know, I can get This body can be healed, you know, and without Christ, I'd still die and go to hell. But the truth of the matter is, if he heals me spiritually, the rest of it, is just, it's just life. What what really needs to happen right now is you need to give your heart and life to Christ. Until next time, this is Jesse Pruitt. You've been listening to The Light of Hope.